Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we're going to talk about a practice called self-inquiry, and this will help you explore your shadow self. Now, in our last lesson, we talked about shadow work and how to embrace and accept your shadow self. So today, we just want to dive a little bit deeper into this concept. And if you're just hopping into fear less now, I recommend starting from the very beginning. Many of the lessons layer upon one another and just give you this comprehensive overview of how to overcome your fears. And if you have been along for the ride, so happy to have you here with us, conquering our fears together. And along for this fearless journey with us is my co-pilot, Andrea Wells, the new host of Recover Strong. So welcome back to Fearless, Andrea. Thank you. I'm so excited once again. And I wanted to share something because we're talking about these self-inquiry questions, which are really interesting. And this is another thing, just like last episode when we talked about the shadow that I didn't really know a lot about. And Maybe this is a a humbling moment for me because I feel like I know a lot about therapy. I've been through a lot of therapy over the years for eating disorder, OCD, PTSD. Um, It's mental health recovery is something I'm very interested in for eating disorders and other conditions. And I feel like I know a lot, but going through Fearless, I'm like, I'm learning new stuff. That seems really helpful and really practical. So I'm extra excited to get into this one today. It's another practical thing that can help you. You stick with me, girl. You learn a lot because I'm a lifelong <laughs> just a thirsty sponge for knowledge and yeah. wisdom. It's it's insatiable. Uh, I'm humbled now. <laughs> beginner's mind. And I love beginner's mind. It's so nice to just be able to revel in, in always learning, always growing and knowing that we don't know. And this is actually a practice that I've adopted during Fearless is allowing myself to sit with the words I don't know. And and I say that like in my my mind space, you know, I don't say it out loud, but just within internally I'll say I don't know. And and allowing myself to say these three words from a place of openness and empowerment, not like I don't know, right? Cuz the whole point we're saying here is anxiety is having if we want to manage our anxiety, in, in other words, our more elaborate form of fear, we have to be able to embrace uncertainty, right? So our mind's going to want to come up with a bazillion stories and all these things that it wants to know, our mind wants to control and predict so it feels safe. And if we can sit with this, I don't know, and actually start to take pleasure in it, like that's what I've been doing is like actually starting to like sink into that with joy or just at least openness mm-hmm. and expansion, the word opportunity is coming to mind. Like you can get excited for the opportunity to learn or see what happens. The word crisis 
is actually the word for opportunity in Chinese. In the ancient Chinese philosophy, opportunities often arise from crisis. So it's this like idea of like being able to sit in crisis. And let's just say crisis is a moment of suffering. Crisis is when things don't feel all smooth sailing. There's turbulence. There's strong emotions. There's a lot going on in your inner world. There's opportunity when we can sit with it and just allow it. And I, once again, I just found these three words, I don't know, from a place of openness, right? I'm, I'm really taking it in. Like, I'm, I'm savoring this. I don't know. Like, we had the previous lesson with good news, bad news, who knows? It, it kind of is this idea of just having this beginner's mind of like, I can be a blank canvas right now. I can be a blank slate. I can make this neutral. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have to say I know and put a whole big scary story onto it. I don't know. So I find that helpful. Give it a, give it a try, listeners. I don't know. And that's not from a position of like, disempowerment and stupidity and not knowing. It's, I, I really don't know. This is the great mystery of life and none of us do know. We're all pretending that we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the big smoke screen of life. <laughs> um, so today we're talking about these four questions that can change your life. And this is from a book called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And she is definitely on the hot list of who I want to have come on my new podcast that I'm going to be hosting, Love and Learn. So put out your guys' like positive juju that I can get her in the interview seat. I don't I haven't seen her recently on any new shows, but ugh, she's such an amazing thought leader in the space of transforming your belief systems and just the way you think about things. And in her book, Loving What Is, she has a, a couple pretty powerful quotes that I want to start with. And one is quote, you're either believing your thoughts or questioning them. There is no other choice, end quote. So that's a, an important piece to take in mind that our thoughts are something that we can choose to believe or not. We can choose to feed or not. And it may seem like you're powerless over your thoughts and they're you know, constant and automatic. You can question them though. You can sit with them and question them. And another quote that she has is, quote, reality is always kinder than the stories we tell about it. So she, this book is just really profound in getting to this idea of we are the storytellers of our life and we have these fear stories that we attach to, these narratives, and they're based on our thoughts. And so when we can start to do inquiry around them, it helps put some space between our thoughts and reality and allows us to just look at things in a new, enlightened way. So... Andrea was so brave to be a kind of guinea pig here for going through this process with you guys. And in the lesson, you'll be hearing how to do it, but it can be helpful to hear how these four questions are applied to somebody in something they're working with. And this practice of self-inquiry is really designed to help you get closer to the shadow, to these projections that you cast on others and the more that you can do that, the more you can call back the, the projections and, and see them in your own self, which once again, just allows for greater compassion with self and others because you start to see that it's not the other who's this big, scary thing that's going to cause harm or you know impact your world or put you in unsafe positions or take away what you want. It's 
it's you, <laughs> you know, and, it's, and then you can start to be more friendly with, with this little internal battle that you're facing. And it's a, it's a process here. So once again, with concepts like these, if this is the first time you're coming across it, be patient, be gentle with yourself and allow it to, to sink in at whatever speed or rate that it needs to. I have so many students come back to me like years later who are like, oh my God, it's clicking now. Mm. <laughs> like Now, when I first heard it, I was like, what? Now it's clicking. So don't expect things to click right away. And beginner's mindset, I think that's just such a key part of this whole process that we're in here going through fearless. So Andrea, are you ready for this revolutionary process called, quote unquote, the work? which is these four questions that can change your life. Yes, I am. And I, um, I'm i feeling the fear. Once again, I'm doing it anyway. Who am I to go on this fearless journey without <laughs> challenging my fear just like the listener is? So I'm excited and I'm scared and let's do it. Yes. You have to be a role model. Yes. You don't have to. <laughs> I want to. Nobody has to be anything. I want to do this. A little bit of uh, discomfort is where we grow, <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm happy and willing. Totally. <laughs> So the inquiry, these four questions, first we want to find, uh, and all of this can be found at thework.com. So if you're curious, there's worksheets on this, and you can pick up her book, Loving What Is, if you want to get more of the material around how to do this. Now, first what you do is this I practice of judge your neighbor. And so the idea is that you'd want to pick somebody or some event in your life where you're judging somebody else. And when you're doing this inquiry work, the idea is to never focus on yourself, like I am this, I am that. Like we want to look at somebody else, like they're doing this, they're that, they always do this, they never do this. So something where you can kind of, and I know a lot of people can get a little bit like, oh my gosh, but I'm being so judgmental. It's like, yeah, we're all judgmental. Like, come on, like that's we're humans. We make judgments. Like we have judgments, we make judgments. It's a very part of our human nature to judge things. This is good. This is bad. I want this. I don't want this. Okay. So it's this finger pointings. So this process isn't about doing itself. It's not like I'm undisciplined. I'm never on time. I'm this. It's they're never on time. They're always this. They're this. So Andrea and I kind of talked about which we're going to do before. And what would be a judgment that's not specific to you, but to other, to that you put onto other, meaning somebody outside of you that you have no control over, right? Oops. This is the idea that we do not have control of others. So what is a, a judgment that you have? So this is hypothetical because this, is, this has not actually happened to me directly. And a big fear that I'm working through, and I've shared this before, is that I fear someone, a listener of the podcast, or someone who doesn't even listen to the podcast but catches wind of it or who I am, may give feedback along the lines of, why is this girl, Andrea, a host on these eating disorder podcasts? She's not skinny. She doesn't have an eating disorder. Or if she does, I don't take her seriously because her body's not thin. That scares me. <laughs> that's what I'm working through as I'm stepping into host. And that's my big boogeyman in the closet. Okay. So when you're doing this self-inquiry, it's it's helpful to get it kind of into like a, a smaller digestible, like smaller digestible, like one sentence type of thing. So it'd be they are so and and listeners of course we know we're not attacking you on this it's just like a fear right that she has so of course it's a fear in other right she doesn't even know you guys this is just her fear that she's projecting out into the world so what is like one sentence that would be point the finger like um that they think my body doesn't make me qualified for this role they think i'm unqualified for this role because of my body 
Yeah, there we go. Okay. So when we apply these four questions, we would say, is this true? Is the first question. And it's just a yes or no. Is this true? Um, Yeah, just a yes or no. No, it's not true. Okay. That, that was the ego being like a little easy on you. Because if the ego was not being easy on you, it'd be like, yes, it's true. But it's not, right? So in my head, my head is like, well, it might be true to others. Or may- maybe it is true. I don't know. But outside, I'm like, no, no, we're just going to say no. Objectively, I know it's not true. I know eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes. I know this. It is proven fact. I'm leaning into that side. <laughs> That's what motivated me confidently saying no there. We are so much more than our body. Like, listen to the things you say and like your energy and just your essence. Like, but then the second question is if Andrea was to have had an ego moment, the ego was to latch so hard onto the story of wanting to really believe that these people are going to think she's disqualified because of her body, then you would ask the question can you absolutely know that it's true? So, the point with the second question is it's always no. We absolutely don't know with 100% certainty that this is true. And it's our mind creating the story that it's true. Emotionally, not so confident, but logically, I'm leaning into the, to the logic and outside myself. So. And that's actually going to bring us into the third question because it's more emotional. Because it's true. Logically, we can be like, okay, yes, no, I know, no, it's not like true. Okay, but emotionally, it feels so scary. Emotionally, it feels like it is. So the third question is, how do you react? Like, What happens when you believe that thought? And this is where we get into the realm of emotions. So when you believe that thought, how do you react? What, what happens? Just the deep sense of shame, which is a, that's an old visitor coming back that hasn't been around in a while. And it's not super intense, but it reminds me of when my shame around my body and my body image struggles were a lot worse. That's kind of coming back to say hello there. So I'd say a feeling of shame, a feeling of sadness, maybe a little bit of powerlessness as well. Shame, sadness, powerlessness. Anything else? (sighs) Anger? Yeah. Anger. Okay. Anger. Yeah. What about the anger? So you can even unpack these emotions even further. Like what is that anger? Anger about the fact that there's people who might think that? Because to be fully honest, like I've I've talked a little bit before in a previous episode about how I was scoping out Jessica's body size when I was a listener of the podcast many years ago. And there were other podcast hosts and I would look them up online. And if I didn't think they were thin enough, I didn't listen to their podcast. So this is all projection again, right? So I'm thinking like, yeah, it, it, I'm angry that I ever felt that way. And I overlooked people who I'm sure were lovely and very qualified. I'm angry that other people might think that way. I know that there are people out there who are fat phobic and judge people on body sizes. And that makes me angry. It's like, it's, it it pisses me off. I don't even know how to verbalize it except for saying it pisses me off. It's just, it's not fair. It's unfair. Can I make an observation? Yeah, absolutely. I think I sense helplessness your mannerisms and your like expression. (laughs) So there's almost this like helplessness that you can't control how people see bodies and humans in a body. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. (laughs) That's a valid observation. Yeah. You said powerlessness, which I think is somewhat similar. Like there's just this like, yeah, I can't do anything about this. Yeah. Well, with all the work I've done with my own recovery and working in this field now, helping people recover and just so much that you're learning about how harmful these ideas are that 
your body size is your worth or defines your health and the damage that it does to people. And there's it's still so widely believed. Like, yeah, I do feel helpless against that. It's hurting people. It's hurt me. It's hurting people who are listening, these ideas. And it's up to us to take care of ourselves and recover. But God, I wish the world would just take care of it first. It'd be so much easier. But that's not the reality. But mm. we do what we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you so when you believe this thought, it puts you in a position of shame and powerlessness, helplessness, um, anger, sadness. So when when you believe that thought, that becomes more of your emotional state, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who would you be without that thought? So let's just say we, you know, who would you be if that thought never existed? What happens if my body has nothing to do with the qualifications for me to be a podcast host for an eating disorder podcast? I guess I would be pretty much the same, but with a lot more, with more comfort around it. I would be more present and sure of myself in the experience. Uh, Because I'm still like, as I've said, I'm feeling the fear and I'm doing it anyway. In this case, it's not stopping me from living my life and doing what I want to do. There's been times where it absolutely has. So the difference now would be that I would have a little more comfort and surety going down this path. Mm -hmm. What about like confidence? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I'd have more confidence in this role, definitely. If everything would just be green lights all the way to San Francisco we'd probably be more confident with anything. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be a much more carefree experience. Yeah. When we start to see that if we can liberate ourselves from a thought, we can just release whatever it is that we're believing, that it actually totally creates a whole nother emotional environment within us or emotional emotional connection with, with self. So, and that's literally by just whether we're going to believe a thought or not believe a thought. And then- going back to that point where we we can choose, right? So if we want to to do that inquiry, we can either believe our thoughts or question them and really look deeper into them. So this is now the most powerful part of the practice. It's called the turnaround. And when you do the thought turnaround, what you're going to do is you're going to turn around these, these thoughts. So your original statement was, they think I'm unqualified because of my body, right? Is that what we landed on? Yes. So it is important to kind of have shorter sentences, as you guys will see why, because of this turnaround part. So if we do a turnaround, it would be, I'm not qualified because of my body. Another turnaround would be, they think I am qualified because of my body. That's kind of what you said to me in the previous episode, is that, you know, different, more mm-hmm. di- more diversity in sizes, because it is, it's needed. It is. Yeah. So the first one too is when we bring it into self. So there's kind of the different situations. So one is you bring it to self. So you literally say, I don't think I'm qualified because of my body. Okay. And then that's where you meet shadow because then that's the parts of you that still hold judgment on on self, right? And because wait, there's still parts of me that don't feel good enough. Hello, I'm human. Mm-hmm. Hello, I, I'm i doing something vulnerable. <laughs> I'm processing this. I feel like uh, this is deep. <laughs> this is deep. I'm like in the therapy <laughs> session right now. So so then you want to say, is that turnaround as true or truer? So when you look at these turnarounds, you want to say, is this true or truer? And you can you can say that no, this isn't this isn't true, right? So you don't have and if you can't find examples, then you you can say, but then you can also start to see, okay, wait. So maybe this is more of my own judgment of myself. 
okay, if I can work with that, maybe then I start to release the judgment that I believe others have on me. Then the other, another turnaround is they they do think I'm qualified. So they do think I'm qualified because of my body. So that's a turnaround because you're just going with the opposite of it. So okay. the opposite is they think I am qualified because of my body. And how is that true or truer? And try to find genuine examples. And you're going to find so many examples of people. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. It's true. I'm like, I'm thinking about it and I really don't know what other people are thinking. I don't know if anyone has ever had the thought that I've had. I'm just projecting my own experience that I did on judging podcast hosts of eating disorder podcasts. That was my experience. Do I know other people did that or are doing that? No, I don't. Chances are most people aren't. And if they are, that doesn't really say anything about me. It says something about where they are in their recovery journey. Because for me, that's what it was. It's it, I was still very, I had a lot of internalized fat phobia. I still wanted to lose weight in recovery. Those were things that I had to work through. And that only said stuff about me, not about the people that I overlooked. Yeah. So when we do this process, it starts to help us really understand like our own inner world and the drama we create in it. And it, it allows us to see deeper into what these projections are and how powerful they can be. And I'll share a very short one that I did with this that was pretty huge because I've talked about like my abandonment fears and issues. And I had a very like disturbing relationship with my father. And it wasn't the easiest of relationships for a lot of reasons, physically and mentally and emotionally. And when he left, I had this story that in this like short blame is like he abandoned me. Right. And I, I even did this workshop with Byron Katie. And this is when it was just like, oh my God, I was like crying and just like tears were like coming down. And I did this process because, you know, when I believe that thought, wow, it destroys like my whole world. Like it makes me feel like I'm unwanted, I'm unlovable, I'm not good enough, I'm not special, I'm not unique. Right. Like all this just feelings of like worthlessness and not being valued and wanted, right? Just this rejection, pain, fuck, hurt, everything. It's just terrible when you believe this, this thought. And then if I don't believe that thought, then I just get to be me. And that's freedom. I get to be like, I'm fun. I'm lovable. I'm good enough. I'm, you know, I'm just a woman who wants to connect, you know, and, and have a fun time in life and experience life. And just, you know, I get to be free. I get to be me. And then when I got to the part on the like turnaround section, so the the thing is like he abandoned me, right? Then I turn it around and he didn't abandon me would be one. And then when I did that process, but the one that really got me was when it was their turnaround of I abandoned him. And it was like, mm. like these crazy just epiphanal, like, wow, I did. I did. I I cut him out at, once we moved cross country and we were there. Like, I stopped wanting to see him. And there's probably good reasons for that. He wasn't a healthy person for me to be around. So, but with that said, is this whole story I'm carrying that like he abandoned me, I also abandoned him. I started to see that I was the one who began to, to cut him out. And I have a, a very strong story with my dad where he even disowned me later in life and my brother, right? So there's like this whole thing where I've had this feeling of being disowned and not wanted. But then if I can just step into the thing, we're like, well, maybe I didn't actually want that. 
myself. It, it changed a lot for me to see it that way because there's no victim. There's nobody point fingers and blame at. I, I probably hurt him just as much as he hurt me. And one more of the turnarounds too would be I abandoned myself. So instead of he abandoned me, it's I abandoned myself. And then when I look at you know, my life history, how many moments of self-abandonment that I actually did have where I tried so hard to be something for another person, right? People-pleasing, codependency type of things where I left myself in order to try to be what the other wanted me to be, which has been a huge kind of relational thing that I've struggled with is self-abandonment, not being my full sovereign self, myself, whole self, being like, who do you want me to be to love me? <laughs> like, what do I have to do to make you happy or keep you around? And that's like self-abandonment. And it never works out, at least for me, it doesn't. And, and thank God, because it's helping me become more confident and assured of just like, okay, wait, that doesn't work. I have to not abandon myself. The, the whole point is to stay centered within my own self and um, nothing is worth abandoning, my, abandoning myself for. So that's just another example of how these turnarounds are so powerful and you're really able to, to start to do the deeper work on your own self-healing as opposed to just externalizing it and blaming them. All of a sudden you see, whoa, I actually have a lot of material to work with in my own self. So I see this process can really open up doors for immense amount of healing and just understanding of others, their transgressions, and how we can often do the exact same thing right back to them. It's the power of perspective. We've talked about perspective on Fearless. It's coming in again. Yeah. And I even took back my, so my name was Raymond, right? My dad's name. My, my dad is deceased now, but I, his name was Raymond. I was Jessica Raymond. When you were listening to the show, probably it was Jessica Raymond is the host. I remember when it changed and you explained that you changed your name. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's name growing up was always Flint. Like it was Flint. And when I took that back, it actually was an such an empowering thing. And I feel like it's like my rightful name. Like I feel like almost like I was destined to be Jessica Flint. Like I, and what I'm mean, like freaking A, like recovery warriors, like Flint is like the hardest stone. Like it's such a strong name for me. I love it. And so it's just kind of seeing that these, these deeper stories we're working with can have such, like you said, perspective and meaning in our life. And we all have these stories, different stories, right? We all have these judgments that we have on others and they're equally within our own selves. And to embrace that, see it, work with it, honor it and for what it can ultimately bring into your life when you take ownership of it, like I think you've said, and accountability. Mm -hmm. My mind is blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this was a longer intro into our lesson. So I hopefully you guys though got to get a taste of, of what it's like to actually you know, put this into practice and see how this inquiry work can be done. And I really encourage you to do it in your own life. And this is work that we do inside the Courage Club. So uh, if you join us there as well, you'll be able to participate and, and really be able to take this from theory to practice to mastery. So let's get into this lesson here on four questions that can change your life. In our lesson today, we are going to look at an immensely powerful framework you can do to withdraw projections and mine the gold from your experience. 
In the previous lessons, we've covered both projections and shadow work. So you've learned that a projection is where the contents of your own unconscious are perceived to be in others. So we judge people on the outside for what we hold on the inside. People rely on projection to shield themselves from their own shadow. And shadow work is the process of bringing those unconscious shadows to your conscious awareness in order to heal them. And the reason this work is important is because it can, one, improve your interactions with others, two, heal generational trauma, three, teach you healthy ways to meet your needs, four, help you tap into your intuition and connect with your deeper knowing, and five, empower you and help you see and accept your strengths and start to put them out into the world. Through acknowledging your shadow, you find more empathy, compassion, and forgiveness. And these are necessary ingredients to heal. Today's lesson is centered around the wisdom of Byron Katie. She is the creator and teacher of the life-changing framework called The Work. The Work takes you into your truth, not anyone else's. Through it, you see that you are your own wisdom. She has an extensive amount of information on it, at her website, thework.com. So you can go to thework.com to download all of the worksheets so you can take what you're going to learn today from theory to practice to mastery. Now, Byron Katie is the queen of putting stressful thoughts and judgments on paper and questioning them. She likes to call this inquiry. This is where you find answers that are not on the surface, and open your mind and heart to what you don't already know. Byron Katie says, quote, Why are you where you are? You believe what you think. If your life isn't going the way you want it to go, it's because you believe what you think. You believe your stressful thoughts. When you question them, you open up to new ways of believing and being. End quote. She is all about how our mind and our beliefs cause our suffering. When you go through her process, the first thing you do is what's called the judge your neighbor exercise. And this is where you pick someone who you feel stressed with. Maybe you had an argument or they bring up an emotional reaction in you and you let all your judgments out. You say what emotions you feel with the person and why. You say how you want them to change, what you want them to do or not do, what they should or shouldn't do, what they need to think, say, feel, or do differently, what you think of them in regards to this situation, and what you don't ever want to experience about this person and this situation again. Through all of these questions, she encourages you to unabashedly have a total judgment fest. Our minds love to make judgments, so don't pretend that you don't make them. I've done this exercise with my students, and some in post-reflection said, oh my gosh, I felt guilty uh, by being so judgmental. At the same time, they're like, I was not shy of things to say. And so this is not a time to be sweet and innocent, and oh, I, uh, I couldn't say that. This is a time to let your judgments out. I say the more judgmental, the better, because this is how you can find more gold in your shadow work. Tell it like it is, and you will see more clearly what truly is. Can you call to mind an irritation that you've had lately with someone else? 
Maybe you had a conflict or a situation that brought up some emotions. Maybe it was with your mother or your father. Uh, if you have a husband or a wife or a partner or a boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, best friend, a child, a sibling, a neighbor, an enemy, a roommate, a boss, a teacher, an employee, a coworker, a teammate, customer, anybody that comes to mind. And think about how many people I just named, how many people in our lives that we can do this work on. So what is one irritation that you've had lately with someone else? And with this, start to think what judgments come to mind? How is this person's way of being and doing bothering you? If you could really let it out. As Byron Katie says, quote, let your judgments speak out or scream out onto the paper, end quote. And I absolutely love that. Let your judgments scream out onto the paper. This is what I think. Now, if you are listening to this lesson while you're walking outside or washing your dishes or driving, you may not be able to scream out your judgments on paper, but you can take a minute to press pause and think about what judgments do you have? What are the things that annoy you or bother you about this situation and this person? Now, once you have your judgments, it's time to put them through inquiry. Now, I'll use an example to guide you through the process of inquiry, and it really is comprised of four simple questions. So my example here would be that my friend Adriana ignored me, and I'm upset that she never texted back. It hurts my feeling that she wouldn't write me back. Uh, she doesn't want to be my friend anymore, and I'm feeling sad and hurt and uh, maybe a little paranoid. Okay, so what's yours? Can you write it down? Can you... Speak it out loud. Okay, now that you got your issue, let's do the work on it. So read your statement and ask yourself, is it true? So for me, we'll start with the first statement. Adriana ignored me. So although my first response would be, yeah, <laughs> it's been like three days. <laughs> she hasn't texted me back. WTF. Uh, but if I'm to be honest... I would have to answer that as no. I, I can't be 100% sure that her intention was to ignore me. I mean, I know that she has a lot going on right now uh, and she could have forgot or she could have thought she texted me back and didn't. I've done that before where I like do a mental response and go, oh, wait, I never responded. So I'm not 100% sure, right? I'm not totally certain. So I'll have to say no. So what about you? Is your statement true? Now, if you, number one, flying colors, you're like, yes, it's true. I know it's true. I am so convinced it's true. Then we go to the second question. And the second question is, can I absolutely be certain that it's true? So can I be absolutely certain that it's true? And hint, it's going to be very hard to find a situation where this answer is yes. So what I like to think about in this situation is, would I, would I be so confident in my response that I would lose my left hand if I'm wrong? Meaning that if anybody was to prove me otherwise on this, that I would lose my left hand, right? So that sometimes puts a little more skin in the game. But when you think about it that way, like, so sometimes it's like, yes, I feel hurt. Yes, she ignored me. Of course she ignored me. She hasn't written back. 
Well, then if I was to say, well, are you 100% sure? Like, can you be absolutely certain that she ignored you? And no, because I don't know if her intention was to ignore me. Her intention could have been something else to get back to me later. The answer here is generally no. That there's not a 100% certainty that you know the truth. So from here, you ask yourself, how do I react when I think that thought? How do I react when I think that thought? Well, when I think the thought that Adriana ignored me, I get annoyed. I feel myself starting to close off. I can start to get into stories that I'm unloved, that she doesn't want me as her friend. I'm uncared for and maybe I'm annoying or unwanted. I don't particularly like that feeling, right? That doesn't feel good. This is when I really let myself sit with this statement that, yeah, she ignored me. So your turn. How do you react when you think that thought? And then the next question to ask is, who would I be without the thought? So the first one before was, how do I react when I think that thought? This question now is, who would I be without that thought? So if I totally dropped the thought that Adriana ignored me, I'd feel more connected to her. I would feel open. I'd feel lighter. I'd feel happier, less stress. It's a much different place than when I react to the thought. So now your turn. Who would you be without the thought? So if you dropped this thought, who would you be? How would your emotional state change? And then finally, you do a process called turn it around. So turning it around is simply taking what you said and turning it around to its opposite. So for me, it would be instead of Adriana ignored me, it would be I ignored me. Or I ignored Adriana. Or Adriana didn't ignore me. So these are all turnarounds where you're flipping around your statement, turning it around to its opposite. Am I a poster child for text response? No, not at all. Is it possible that she did not ignore me? Quite possibly. What would be a better way of working with the situation instead of thinking this thought that my friend's ignoring me is to one, let go of the thought, but also to just be more upfront. Hey, didn't hear back from me. Want to check in. How are you doing? Is everything okay? But now the turnaround is really powerful. It's here that you begin to untangle your projections from your feelings and beliefs about yourself. So it's beyond powerful to do this work. It cuts right through the fog. We have 2020 vision about other people, but not about ourselves. And doing the work is like putting on prescription glasses and seeing yourself in the problem situation so much more clearly. Byron Katie says, quote, when you do the work, you see who you are by seeing who you think other people are. Eventually, you come to see that everything outside you is a reflection of your own thinking, end quote. I've found this work to be the most powerful way to deepen forgiveness. Byron Katie says, quote, who is someone you haven't forgiven 100%? You aren't free until your forgiveness is complete. 
the 1% you haven't forgiven them is where you're stuck in all your other relationships, end quote. Now, for you, that may seem a little daunting to get to 100% forgiveness with someone, but what is really important is to understand how forgiveness is the path to freedom and ultimate healing. Every time you see someone as less than you or holding you back from success or happiness, question it, turn it around, and give yourself some peace. Every stressful moment you experience is a gift that points you to your own freedom. With this knowing, life becomes much kinder. So to summarize, the work is first to judge your neighbor, scream it out onto paper, have a judgment fest, write it down, and then with these judgments, ask the four questions. One, is it true? Two, can I absolutely know that it's true. Three, how do I react when I think that thought? And four, who would I be without that thought? And then turn the statements around. If you're feeling ready to get to work, doing the work, you are going to want to go to Byron Katie's website, thework.com to download all of the amazing worksheets she has. There is the judge your neighbor worksheet. There is the one belief at a time worksheet, the emotions list. There's so many amazing things there at thework.com. This will help you go from theory to practice to mastery. I also recommend her book, Loving What Is, for deeper explanation of the process. And most importantly, to see the brilliant examples of Katie working with people over a range of issues using her process of inquiry. The greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So let's not waste another moment of our precious lives holding ourselves back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.